Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you this week's episode of Product Coffee about setting clear and actionable goals for your teams. I have an audio disclaimer for this episode. I was on dad duty watching my daughters during the recording of this episode and they were a bit loud at times in the background. We did our best to cut out as much as we could, but you can still hear them at times throughout the episode. I appreciate your patience. Please enjoy this week's episode of Product Coffee. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I I think one of them maybe it's worth talking about is uh, clear and actionable goals. Um, Mm. Yeah, this one's interesting to me because a lot of it, um, when you're running a product team, you're really thinking strategically, how do you organize or set them up to make sure we get the most meaningful work done. And in that vein, you're also wanting to give them clear and actionable goals. So you move, you know, the needle forward in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and with a team empowerment and, um, um, micromanagement, right? Like we don't want to kind of over index in that, but we want to be able to, give those clear and actionable goals. So I wonder how do you, how have you best worked as a PM with ambiguity and a goal framework, like potentially like an OKR, like how was, has there been one that was like so clear that you were able to knock it out of the park and it was, it gave you the right level of autonomy Um, or was there something that was too vague and you really struggled with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's actually something I think about actually pretty regularly right now, because we'll get on, you know, quarterly OKR setting. And that's something that, you know, I feel like every company I've been part of has has done. And one of the challenging pieces with OKRs, and this is something I've I've made pretty clear every time I've done it. If you're going to set an effective OKR, you either have to have some level of confidence that the work that is planned or that you will plan is going to actually meaningfully impact that OKR or that it's and, it, and that not only is it going to impact that OKR, but it's going to deliver in the right boundary. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that everybody has. And I asked this question because we, we were looking at some the other day and it was like, we want to reduce incidents or incident response time of bugs. If that was like a goal that we have for the, this quarter. And I took a step back and said, okay, well, did we think through how we were going to do that before we set that OKR? Right. It's like, I know that's the outcome that we want, but did we actually think about how we would do that? And I think that's a, a really important place that I would start because I feel like setting the appropriate goal, you have to have some of that premonition in mind in order to do it and do it effectively. It often comes at odds. So I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of curious if you've seen the similar, the same thing I have. Well, so in, the, in that regard, you're saying you set aggressive goals without determining how you're going to impact that. Is that kind of the gist? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the make, mistake people make, Right. Let's just say, I'll, I'll give an example. Let's just say we look at it and we go, oh my God, for the business's sake, it would be great if we removed our, if we moved our bug average response time from two weeks to one week. 
right? Everybody goes, ah, yes, this would be awesome. Love it. Like best goal in the world. And then, you know, so we set that goal, but we didn't take a step back to think about like, or have that conversation maybe ahead of setting that goal and go, well, how would we do that? Like, is that even possible? And then oftentimes too, the other thing is that can come at odds with, um, how, like with maybe other things that you wanted, I'll, I'll give a good example in this case. So we, we do have that goal. It's something that I want to work on. And, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, we want to do better data and error logging to do that. It's like, well, that actually doesn't help us. All that does is just tell us that there are bugs. So we can spend half the month working on better data and error logging, or maybe we take three weeks and just document our code better. That's one of the things that the engineers tell us, like, you know, and so that's one of those pieces that comes at odds. It's like, we think about how it's like, well, yeah, if we all of a sudden like, Hey, we're going to pull back from the logging and we're just going to spend three weeks documenting code. It's like, okay, so which one did we really want? <laughs> that's interesting. So, so to me, it sounds like, well, it sounds like what you're saying is that those goals aren't as clear because there's so many ways that you can get it done and potentially there's a preferred way. And so it sounds like, well, why is there a preferred way? Why is that not just inferred by the goal? And how could that goal be clear enough to then um, have that expectation of the outcome? Right. Exactly. And I think those are, you know, so the good goal setting practice that I found is like, you know, and the sec- the other piece that I would ask around goals, especially if you have them quarterly or if they're time boxed in any way is, do we have enough time to build and measure in that window of time? And that's also one of the other cha- challenges I, I find with setting good goals is that you want to set a goal. If it's going to be time bound, then you need to have enough time to build a solution, test that solution, iterate that solution and test again, all before the window of opportunity closes. And so I think those are things that like many people forget They're like this quarter, we want to do this. And it's like, okay, cool. Maybe it takes you the first month just to build something. And then you don't get data for two, like two months that fully proves that hypothesis you know, then we have to iterate again. And it's like, um, we're setting ourselves up for failure if we don't know a lot of that data going in. Is that just an element of like arbitrary timelines? Or like, is it like, I I wonder like why, because it sounds like to your point, if you build something up and start making progress on it, but you hit the end of the quarter, do you then pivot? Like, it seems like a waste of time. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you've probably run into this too, right? I mean, the, the, I think this is the part that we all that we all go into. What I've tried to do is with uh, with goals, take a step back and go, okay, what is the time boundary that we want to look at these goals? I usually prefer six months or twelve, you know, because I like it enough time to build and measure and iterate. And theoretically, if it's the right goal, it should be something that actually is enduring for this for the duration of a strategy, right? Like, we don't strategize in three months. We strategize in years. And if we're thinking that we strategize in years, we should have goals and outcomes that are deliverable in years. And then we should be able to take that back and give people the flexibility to set initiatives, do the things that they need to do to monitor progress up toward those. So I, I tend to be a fan of bigger and longer term goals where you can show incremental progress towards them. And that to me works. I think the shorter term goals, I think shorter term goals are 
hard to measure. I think they're hard to get right. And I usually think that unless you have some, unless they're really well planned, they're not too dissimilar from just completing initiatives. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I think one of the ways that we're experimenting and I'm, I'm, I mean, in, in progress of experimenting with is getting more prescriptive than I would have liked to give goals to my team to provide extra clarity, additional clarity. Um, an example being, you know, Hey, we want to go build a forecasting tool. Okay. Okay, great. So team one, you're building the forecasting tool, right? Um, what I'm not saying is how does it need to look? What is it going to drive X, Y, Z? It needs to have these features. Like I'm not getting that prescriptive, but I'm saying I want you to go build a forecasting tool. And so in that vein, what I want to see, or I'm curious, this this is the experiment is all right, now you're responsible for driving the product outcomes. And so what is the product outcome of this forecasting tool? It's your job as a PM to uncover what that is. Set, you know, um, aggressive expectations, um, get alignment and buy-in with stakeholders, experiment and brainstorming with your feature set, with your engineering team, and um, accomplish the goals. And so, I, I, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I was a, I was actually fearful that it would be too prescriptive, but um, what I'm hearing is that they did like so far that additional clarity, uh, and so we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see what the results are, but yeah, I think I think it's interesting too. Is it all? It, there's another caveat to this too, right? Which is every company is at a different stage in the life cycle where you have to apply more or less rigor to any of these processes, right? As the company might mature and you get really well-defined problem spaces where you can say, Hey, so-and-so your goal is to focus in on product driven activation and you're and like goal wise, we need you to improve that by 25% over the next six to 12 months. They're going to figure out how to do that. Like that's a truly iterative approach where they're going to sit there and pound on that activation sequence or whatever, until they come up with something that works out. I think that's an example where it works perfectly. But I think sometimes in earlier days where we've got, as you said, where we've got to just build something and we got to get it out and we got to make it effective. Sometimes you do have to come in and be more prescriptive and be like, yeah, we need you to launch that tool. Like we need to have it out there because this is the reason why. If you can articulate that reason why, that makes a lot of sense. But um, I think that's, that's we, we kind of initially started with, all right, this team, you're, you're focused on activation, right? And that it was... It was very broad at that point. You know, we haven't um, given them activation in what regards, right? Like it's this vague, um, it's a product strategy, but it's not necessarily like a focus area. It doesn't have a persona and a value stream assigned to it. It's just, you know, activation, right? Um, I I over-index more on the empowerment side of things to say, let's, you know, let's have them figure this out and what they can what they could impact. It was good for a brainstorming exercise. I think there was a lot of good ideas that generated from it, but in, as far as like alignment and progress, um, we didn't make as, as much as I'd like. And so in part, part, part of that feedback was just getting more clear around what it is because we would kind of make some progress and then completely miss out on one angle of the, of the strategy. And so um, that, getting more clear around the persona we're solving for and the job we're solving for really helped. Um, 
you know, um, get more clear in terms of not being so ambiguous with activation, but it was, no, it's activation of creating a new campaign for the first time. You know, it, it had more specific specificity to it. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't think anyone's perfected this cool kind of process, but, um, I'm curious to hear like in your experience, especially coming into a new company with the, it sounds to me like that goal that you have is, is, is kind of a little ambiguous. Does it have a customer or a, uh, a job that it's servicing? You know, I think we are going to, I think at the moment I'd consider it a draft goal and we are going to be meeting up as a product team uh, next week, you know, for an onsite. And we're going to be talking about all of these OKRs and how to drive them and what outcomes we're really looking for. And I think there's, you know, there is a challenge in this, right? Like urgency and immediacy is something that every company is trying to strive for, right? Like you ask when we want something, well, theoretically, everybody says well, we wanted it yesterday, right? So I think that's <laughs> the biggest challenge. So I think there's an urgency and an immediacy. And I think setting the right goal and is kind of two parts when you have to think about that. It's a real conversation about how in this short period of time, what impact can we truly make? And is that a realistic expectation? They say, yeah, in three months, we want our time to resolve bugs to go from two weeks to one week. And just throwing those numbers out there. The first question we have to ask, is that reasonable? And if it were going to be true, what would have to happen in order to make it true? And then ultimately, once you've asked those questions, you can then decide if it's actually the right goal that you need to track. Because I think if you set a goal like, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. But realistically, like you can't, are we happy with getting 25% closer to that goal? Are we happy with this? And are we happy doing that, knowing that we're going to compromise other potentially valuable things in the priority flow as a business? And I'm not talking just about squad priority. I'm talking about business priority. Because if you take, a handful of teams to throw them out a goal, then you really are looking at lost opportunity on what other things could they have built. And I think that matters yeah, more absolutely. and more. Yeah. So it sounds like there's instrumentation that needs to happen, but it also seems like you might've found like, this is something I've, I've experienced in my PM career is that we've found the right metric to measure or to set in a goal but like you said, the instrumentation is not there yet. And so then what? Because you have a time period, is it? do you ignore the most important thing you can focus on? Or do you expand the time horizon to ex execute against it? It's so funny, you know, what, just hearing you talk about this, it just reminds me that product management it really is an art. It is not, there's not, like as much as we want to say there's a science to some of the things we do, there's an ideal team topology or whatever else it is, it's like, no, it really is a creative art. And it's funny, these are the moments that actually like make me think about that a little bit to where like adjusting is a day-to-day -day process, setting goals, right? Like the way you set a goal at one company is not the way you set a goal at another. The way you measure a goal at one company is not the way you measure it at, an, at another. And that whole process is just constantly evolving and it's constant creativity. And eventually you will land on something that you can measure, track, and grow for periods of time. But it takes a while to get there. Yeah, that's such a great point. No, I, that's a great point. 
yeah, I feel like that's the story of my life, trying to crack the code of, of life in general to have all the answers. And uh, you can't really do that. <laughs> well, but, you uh, know, it's funny. It, 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 it's kind of it's kind of funny is that like jumping back into more of an I an IC role, even though it's, you know, lead in IC roles, right. You know, and still kind of doing a lot of the same, I'm doing more strategic and more like top line product ownership than I potentially was maybe a little bit as a director. And that really, I think is a, it's interesting to kind of jump back in on the front lines and look through those processes and really like, come up with something. I would say the one thing I have come up with though about setting goals is measure something real. And by that, I mean, monetary goals are great. I, you know, some people would say like, you know, how are you going to affect monetary goals? Like, no, you like, that's a really good one. If your team can impact monetary performance of a product, I love it. Um, user activation and retention goals, I think are fantastic, right? If you build good quality products and people have easy experiences going through, you will make impact on those goals. And I think the, the third one in there, if it's not any of those particular items would be like conversion ratios. And, and there's a lot of stuff that goes to that, including partnering with marketing analytics and others. But I think, measuring real things that translate into real business value is one of the most effective ways to set goals. I like that. It's hard to kind of, here's the step function of like, Oh, it, it's, it does this, which is doing this, which is doing, Oh, and then eventually it'll turn into to revenue versus like, no, this is revenue. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's put it this way, right? If the business, if the business comes out and says, okay, guys, you know, we need to get to, you know, 20 million this year and the sales team is saying, you know, Hey, if we built this, we would be able to sell it for this price. And you and product get the opportunity to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to take that input from sales and we're going to help build a feature that's going to do that. And then on top of this, I'm also going to layer in some of the stuff that I'm interested in, which is like keeping, maybe it's a good, how do we not just build that product, but how do we build a great version of that product? How do we improve our user experience at the same time? How do we listen to our customers and do everything? But I think that's a part that we often forget sometimes in product is, yeah, we got to go listen to sales. We got to ask them what, what are people willing to buy? And you want to contribute to revenue goals, give them something they can sell. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of hear, you know, they're the front lines, right? And they, that collaboration is super important, but I also find that very, uh, um, it's a very, uh, um, hard relationship. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of the sales directives or mindset or goals are very, you know, finite and short term versus the product you're balancing short term, midterm, long term investments and in growth. And depending on where your product is or what the company is trying to achieve, you kind of can flex into certain areas of that. Um, yeah, it's always a, there's another art conversation, I would imagine. <laughs> right. I, I think that's also an interesting point to you, maybe about team topology structures. Because if you think about it in a way, what I, what I was doing toward the end of time that I was at Ibotta and what I'm even thinking about now is you have teams that are investing in the today of the product. They're kind of trying to make sure that we've got the rails running. We're solving the issues of today. We're improving the experience of what the product is today. 
then you've ideally got teams that are focusing on the midterm, what's coming next, right? And then beyond that, you've also got teams that are thinking a year or two out. And what are we going to build then? And what do we have to build today to support the future of tomorrow? And that's actually kind of the primary focus where I'm at right now is what issue, what things are we building today that are fundamentally going to set us up for the vision that we have in the future? And how do we set and move on that vision? And I think that's, a, you know, in a well-rounded product portfolio standpoint, right? As the team gets bigger, you have the ability to place certain amounts of bets across that space. We're going to spend 50% of our time and our resources focused on today. We're going to spend 30% looking at what's next. We're going to spend 20% on the future. And that ratio is, you know, that's the leadership and the strategic ratio. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Well, um, so if our, what, what homework do you have for our listeners this week, Lou, based on our conversation? I'd say when it comes to goals, so taking it back a step, I think kind of to the points we made earlier, when it comes to goals, really focus, a good goal is set when it can be easily measured. You have the ability to impact that goal and the, um, timeline gives you enough flexibility to build measure and iterate in order to do that i would say make sure you set goals in that way and also if your business is trying to put if you find yourself in the position where you're just throwing arbitrary like oh what are our okrs going to be for this quarter i don't know i'm gonna come up with it today and i'm just gonna scratch it down it's like no that's not a good okr then and you should probably have a conversation with your business and shift the process. What do you think, Kevin? I, I would say some good homework for this is the, the clear and actionable are super important. Like the clarity comes in what you're saying, Lou, time horizon, focus area, measurability, impactability, like all those things um, kind of lead into what clear and actionable means. Um, and I think companies that, um, over index for process for process sake, or just like, Hey, we need a goal setting framework. We need some, like you're saying, just some random numbers to throw together because it's, it's our time horizon without meaningful thought or critical thought, I feel like set themselves up for failure. Um, and so maybe the bit of homework there is maybe, is it more of a reflection exercise, but what in the past have you used? Was it OKRs? Was it something else like NCTs maybe, um, that have given you very clear, actionable goals that you've made meaningful progress on um, and then try to dissect what went into that process, what went into those inputs, where were you at in that scenario that you had what you needed to go get some impactful, uh, meaningful product work completed um, and share. Yeah. We'd love to hear what works for you um, and what <laughs> completely doesn't. Um, I think that we're always trying to figure this out as a product organization and trying to figure out what the best framework is. But like Lou said, maybe it's more of an art than a science. So give yourself a little bit of a break too. Thanks for listening so much. Um, and uh, looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. 
Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.